Welcome to Tech Junior. Hey everybody. Uh, we have an interesting show today. Uh, the idea was to run through a bunch of basic programming concepts and just kind of explain them for anybody that's a, a total novice or has never heard of them before. So we, we kind of stumbled through it and uh, it, it was pretty funny. So hope you enjoy it. Um, if you want to support the show, uh, please go to techjr.dev and click subscribe so you can get an email from us once a week letting you know about the latest episode and some other goodies. And also tell your friends about the show, tweet what you like, leave us a review on iTunes, and just do anything that you can to help spread the word and get other people to listen to us. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Work. I'm a full stack JavaScript developer. And I have with me as always. Hey, it's Eddie. I'm here. He's <laughs> also a developer <laughs> and a designer of uh, like 15 years. Yeah, though um, today I'm going to show you how much of a developer I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to so, get all this wrong. Yeah, today um, have, we have an interesting idea for an episode, and that is to kind of, I mean, step away from our developer hat for a second and kind of step back into the shoes of a person that's never touched programming before. And just walk through a lot of these programming concepts and jargon that when you're first getting into programming, absolutely just blow your mind and go way over your head and make you feel like, you know, you're two inches tall and you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so um, we've got a big list of like programming terms and um, it, it starts all the way at, you know, the very basics. And then we go into uh, some heavier topics. Um Full disclosure and disclaimer, <laughs> we're not uh, experts on this stuff. I'm going to get a lot of things wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> we uh, we did do a little furious uh, research before we did this episode, but not a whole lot, I promise. Um, so if you're looking for the textbook explanation for this stuff, uh, you can find that on Google. But we're just going <laughs> to try and do the, uh, the explain like I'm five version of a lot of these things. Yeah. And uh, if if you're like way beyond this, um, we're sorry. Yeah, <laughs> um, you skip this. Yeah, you can you can skip to nerd minute. And yeah, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, we can we can talk about video games or something. So, <laughs> all right. Um, that being said, uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start, Eddie? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the first thing on the list is a variable. So I went, when I was in the boot camp, um, they explained it as like a, a box that you just. Or I think you even explain it as a bucket, but you just something a place to store things. Like yeah, so a string um, or a number. Oh, Go so ahead. like uh, like Eddie said, a box or a bucket, and you have to not only create the box or bucket uh, or declare the variable, but you mm -hmm. also have to assign it a value or put something in the box or the bucket. Yep. All right. Next up is a uh, primitive data type. <laughs> Okay. I probably should have put this a little further down, but uh, have you ever heard the term primitive um, in programming? That's just talking about like a basic type of data. And so we'll get into types a little bit more later on the list. But uh, if you have like a string or words, um, yeah, that would be yeah, like a data type. And then uh, like a number would be a data type. Mm -hmm. And so those really basic types of data um, you would consider that to be a primitive. So it doesn't have like any other special stuff attached to it. Okay. <laughs> data structures is the next thing. Um, and I, we actually talked about this a little bit before. So like an array or an object? Yeah, so um, a data structure is like a fancy term for a more complicated way to store data. So if you can think of like a variable as like a bucket that you just toss something in, um, what if you need to put, you know, more than one thing in there, or you need to put different types of things in there, or you need like a system of uh, pulling d different things out of the same bucket. So maybe if a variable is a bucket, you could picture a data structure as like a bookshelf with 
books on it and you need to be able to grab like a certain book and know where that book is and do different things with it. Um, data structures are built into languages. Uh, so JavaScript has like arrays and objects. Um, but then you, you can also uh, go out and create your own data structures um, using, you know, code that you write. So uh, different languages have different types of data structures built in or baked in, but you can like go and construct more complicated things as you need them. Uh, there's like whole courses on data structures uh, that you can take in college. You did a much better job of explaining that than I would have. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, you're you're up for functions. Take take a crack. Okay, function is a piece of code that you want to be able to reuse, or a piece of reusable code, right? That's yeah, what it was explained to me. <clears throat> yeah, just like a, a set of instructions that you can do over and over again. Yeah. And uh, if you need to reuse that code, um, or maybe configure it a little bit, you can pass arguments into it. Mm-hmm. So it has like variables that it can take when you call the function. Um, and then it can also return stuff. So it's got like an input and an output or like a, you, maybe you think of it as like a little factory. So you put stuff in, you get stuff out. All right. So what's a pure function? Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a pure, Eddie doesn't want to do this one, but yeah. a pure function or the basically one. is a function that when you put stuff into it, like let's say you always put the number one into it and you always get the number two out and it doesn't do anything else, that would be a pure function. So <clears throat> given the same input, you always get the same output, and it doesn't reach outside and do anything else. So if your function like takes in a number and then it goes out and changes like HTML, that reaching out and changing HTML would be considered a side effect. So front-end programming okay. is full of not pure functions. And there's lots of side effects that happen uh, have to happen because we're messing with user interfaces a lot, or UI, um, or HTML. So um, there's not as many pure functions maybe as like backend programming, but um, yeah, that's that's basically what uh, a pure function and side effects are. So <clears throat> it take take something in, return something, doesn't change anything outside of itself. Yeah, it's it's a lot fancier sounding than it actually is. But <laughs> if you had like a function called uh, add two numbers or something, and you gave it two arguments that were two numbers, and all it did was return the sum of those two numbers, that would be a pure function. Okay. But as soon as it reaches out and does something else, like changes a variable somewhere else, or updates like UI or anything like that, that would be a side effect, and that means that it's no longer a pure function. Okay. And the next thing is a method. A method is a function and an object? Yeah, yeah, you, you got it. So <laughs> it's just a function by another name, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it has to do with, like, object-oriented programming. Okay, you wanna, cool. You want to take loops? Okay, so um, there are different kinds of loops. There are for loops. We have while loops and do while. Uh, for loop is just going to... Well, hold on. What is a loop that? first? Okay. A loop is a function that runs a few times until you tell it to stop, basically. Yeah, so you're repeating code, basically. Yeah, you're running the same function over and over until, um, until a condition is met. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you've got like some statements to run. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to be a function. Um, oh, that, yeah, that's true. But it just loops, uh, basically, kind of the name is what it is. Uh, it just runs those statements over and over again mm -hmm. until you tell it to stop. So there's a couple of common ones. For loops, while loops, do whiles. Uh, Eddie, you started with a, a for loop, so what, what is that one? Um, so it... Okay. So for every time I add a number to a variable, perform this action or run the statement or whatever. Yeah. So a for loop has like super fine grain yeah. control where it has like a counter or something and you give it a condition to stop. And then it has like another spot where you can like increment or go upward. Yeah. Um, so that for loops just have like more fine grain control. 
uh, as opposed to like a while loop, which is just going to run forever until a certain condition yeah. is met. And then there's like the third one, which I'll probably never use, <laughs> which is a do while. And all that means is that the condition gets checked at the end. So it'll always do the inside stuff at least mm -hmm. once. And then it checks the condition and stops or keeps going if it has yeah. to. You're a lot better at explaining this than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's okay though. Um, you know, it, it, sometimes it takes like two different perspectives. Yeah. On it. Yeah. I mean, when I was in the boot camp, I'd listen to five different people explain the same concept to me just so I can get it. Um, okay. Object oriented programming. Go. <laughs> <You'll>, okay. <laughs> so this is, this is some of the stuff is just hard, Yeah. but, um, so object oriented programming is yeah. yeah. Oop. Right. So it's a, uh, it's a convention, right? As well as like a lot of features in a language that add up together. But basically, um, if you wanted to think about JavaScript as an example, uh, JavaScript has objects and objects can have their own properties or like their own variables and then their own methods or functions. And you can make like objects with constructors, which create new objects. And so what you get when you get an object is like your own encapsulated, um, complicated or complex data structure that you can then like reuse or recreate. So the best way to think of this, like, cause all that stuff I just said yeah. is a bunch of jargon. Um, if you could think about like, if any of you out there are RPG gamers or you played video games before, um, and you were just working with variables and functions, how hard would it be to keep track of, let's say, like an RPG? So you've got a lot of different characters or a lot of different people. They all have different moves. They all have different strengths or stats, um, you know, magic, strength, wisdom, whatever. Um, they have different attacks. Uh, maybe you can think of those like functions or methods. Um, but they're all, let's say human characters or player characters or something like that. So if you were going to work that out with object oriented programming, maybe you would have like, um, a player character object that creates like a basic character. So that would be like, you know, walks on two legs, true, um, function, walk function, run like really basic stuff that everybody can do. And then as you got more specialized, like you could build off of that basic object. And so you would call that like uh, either composition or inheritance. Mm -hmm. So like you would get the stuff from the more basic object to build like more specialized objects. So let's say you had a player character that was in like a, a race of human and humans, I guess, have like really vanilla stats or something. And then from there... Like you could inherit that stuff and then have like a human player character wizard who would have like slightly higher intelligence, could have like different attacks or functions that like cast spells and stuff. And then it can kind of get like more and more specialized from there. And so instead of repeating all that code to like code out all the stuff that a wizard can do, you can kind of like only add the stuff that pertains to like wizards in like the wizard constructor or wizard object. And then like when you finally make your wizard, like it inherits from wizard it inherits from human from player character and gets all that stuff that comes with those objects. And so you end up with like this, uh, composition of properties and methods and stuff from all these other objects. And then like all your code becomes like really reusable in that way. Um, there's a really great article that um, somebody wrote that I will dig up and post on the show okay. notes. And it just kind of like really digs into this RPG analogy and explains it really well, probably better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hopefully that's like a decent explanation. Yeah. Of that. I mean, I, I know what this is and it still gets a little confusing to me. Yeah. Knowing it and using it all yeah. the time is different yeah. from explaining it. Um, all right. Functional programming. <laughs> so I had yeah, to look this one up. <laughs> this is like kind of like uh, tough to digest, but 
So I'll read you the uh, the definition that I pulled <laughs> off of uh, in a Medium article. So functional programming is the process of building software by composing pure functions, avoiding shared state, mutable data, and side effects. So a lot of jargon in there. We covered some of it previously, but so um, that's so it, you want to use okay. pure functions. So they have inputs and outputs, and they don't reach out and yeah. do other stuff, which is side effects. Um, there's no shared state, meaning that you don't have like um, global variables, okay. I guess, that are just kind of hanging out in a bunch of different functions or reaching outside and changing those things because those would be side effects. Mutable, uh, mutable data. data means that... Changing? Um, yeah, exactly. You're changing the data. So if you reach in and directly change mm. something... Versus creating a new thing with the new data, uh, that would be changing it as mutable and not changing it and creating new. So, like instead of changing a variable or reassigning it, you would make a new variable and give yeah. it the new value. That would be immutable versus changing it, which yeah. is mutable. So it's kind of like a a newer. Well, it's not really new, but it's getting more popular in like the Is JavaScript it? world. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good courses out there by a lot of popular people. So like the fun, fun function YouTube channel has a lot of functional uh, programming uh, videos. Uh, Kyle Simpson has some good functional programming courses on like front end masters. Okay. And I'm sure there's a lot more stuff that you can dig up on this, but um, kind of like object oriented programming is one way of doing it. Functional programming is like the 180 opposite way of doing it. Okay. Hmm. If that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, no, recursion. So this is very close to looping. Yeah. So you're running a function. Yeah, it's very similar. My, I, I struggle with trying to explain this stuff because I know what it is. So I've done it before. like the, the dumb, stupid explanation of it is a function that calls itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so basically, like, you can do infinite loops with recursion really easily just by, like, writing a function that calls itself. And then you'll have, like, uh, you'll blow the stack. Right? Yeah. So that means, like, you run out of memory, basically, because you just, like, create more and more instances of this function call. And that just gets, like, stored in your memory until, like, Chrome screams at you and says, like, hey, we're just going to close this tab <laughs> because you're, a, you're bad at programming. <laughs> Has that happened to you before? Oh yeah, totally. I've totally done infinite loops. I've totally done infinite recursion. Um, I've locked up uh, my machine doing like Java before. Oh wow. Um, so that was years ago, but <laughs> uh, Chrome is cool because Chrome will just like tell you like, hey, you made a oopsie and we're just going to kill this process. Um, try harder next time, <laughs> which is, it's kind of like a really gentle letdown. Um, so yeah, re recursion, just a function calling itself. Um, and you can loop that way. And then like you would stop the loop by having some condition in there where you don't call that function again. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things that like you read code that has that in there and you're like, wait, a function can call itself and it just blows your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's, uh, types. So you got this one, Eddie. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so types, you're talking about strings, numbers, um, yeah, arrays, objects, pop quiz, does JavaScript have types? Does it have types? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, you got it. <laughs> you friggin' nailed it. You are the man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Types, um, strings, numbers, uh, in other languages, you might call them like integers or floats, um, so like a string is like we said before, letters and characters mm -hmm. or, or words, um, numbers, like the literal number. So a number without quotation marks around yeah. it. Um, integer would be like a whole number typically in, in other languages. Uh, float would be a decimal. And then you can get into like other languages have lots of different types to them. Especially for um, numbers so you get like, and then decimals. Like yeah so you get like double and long, long yeah sure. and i knew all this and then yeah. yeah these are things that like i haven't touched in years yeah but yeah javascript um 
I don't want to like jump into JavaScript too much. I want to keep this kind of general, but we're kind of failing already. Yeah. So <laughs> JavaScript's getting a big int type soon. Um, um, I don't, I couldn't tell you if it's an object or a primitive or whatever, okay. but basically like JavaScript's not really good for doing complicated math. Mm-hmm. Uh, either big numbers or working with small decimals will kind of get you into funky stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you add like point, uh, 0.1 and 0.2 in JavaScript, you think you're going to get 0.3, but you really get like 0.299998 or something crazy. Oh, okay. And then similarly, working with um, really big numbers can, uh, you can do something where you like roll over and um, get, go back to like zero and stuff or run into weird errors that way. So other languages have multiple types to handle that kind of stuff. Uh, JavaScript has... Um, kind of like integers or numbers and uh, strings and, ah, oh man. Westboss had a good thing for uh, memorizing all the, the primitives in JavaScript, but it's like string, number, symbol. Um, I can't remember. These aren't things that you have to memorize, but yeah. it's just fun trivia. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. Undefined might be one of them. Oh, null? Null's an object, so I don't oh, okay. think that's a type. Like type of null is oh, okay. Anyway, this is like fringe trivia stuff that like you shouldn't be freaking out if you're listening <laughs> to us talk about this stuff. It's just uh, it's kind of fun to. You should be aware of it, but don't feel like you have to memorize it. Yeah, like, I obviously no, did. At, yeah, at no point are you gonna sit down at your desk and write a function and be like, oh shoot, I need to know off the top of my head what the seven data types are. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Um, um, also, if you already you can help you out with that as well yeah or or google or stack overflow yeah. um i was gonna ask you a question oh you brought up the adding 0.01 and 0.02 so do you fix yeah. that with like a math floor or something like that um there's different ways to handle it um that's a good one for stack overflow okay. but you can do things like um use like uh what's it called you like multiply the numbers by factors of 10 and then add them. Okay. And then like divide them by that factor of 10. Uh, something there's like weird hacks for it to get around it, but JavaScript's not really a good language for that. So if you're doing like really finely detailed math operations, uh, do a little bit of research first if you're going to use JavaScript. All right. Uh, what's the next thing? So double equals versus triple equals. Oh, um, <laughs> versus equals maybe. <laughs> well, one equals means you're you're assigning something like a a variable, like right. Um, double equals, um, is comparing. First of all, both double and triple are comparison operators, yeah. meaning that you're gonna put like one thing in front, one thing after, and it's gonna tell you if the things are equivalent or not, and give you like a true or false. And so double equals, um, value people and value like to think of them. Right? Yeah, so yeah. both compare value. Um, they both work with type, but double equals will do a thing called coercion, meaning that it will try and evaluate um, disparate types, so different types, and try and match them uh, based on value. So if you double equal like... Um, zero and false like that i don't know off the top of my head if that comes back as true but i would suspect that it might come back true with double equals because zero and one typically uh, like zero is a falsy value so it, it can be evaluated to false in javascript so that would probably come back with a true or if you had versus triple equals where yeah. zero is obviously a number and a you know false is a boolean value that was one of those other primitives that I forgot earlier. Oh, there you go. Um, so uh, that one's going to say, like, no, these are different things. Um, and then double and triple equals is, like, a, a special unicorn thing for JavaScript. Oh, yeah. Uh, not all not all languages have that. Yeah. So if you're comparing, like, a number one string and then the actual one number, um, it would be true for a double equals. It would be false for a triple equals. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the kind of thing that will happen. Yeah, I feel like an idiot because I ask this question in interviews all the time. 
<laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> you're you're silently judging people like this guy doesn't even know double equals versus triple equals, and then you're uh, you're like freaking out trying to explain it on the like, show. I know, but I just yeah, like I said, you're better at this than I am. Um, <laughs> Consulate and Var. Yeah, just give me the uh, the five second version of this because I don't want this to be like a JavaScript episode. All right, so const is a constant. You once you assign it, you can't reassign it unless. Well, there is no unless, but if it's an object and it's an empty object, you can add things to it. Or same thing with an array. Uh, let can is your let you can reassign. So once you add you set it, you can reassign it later. Var is the same. Um, they are scoped differently. So there's block scope for cons and let, and then uh, var acts differently. Go ahead. Yeah, var is a function, function scope. scope. There you go. So the real, real fast explanation of this, and this is again like JavaScript junk, but uh, var is function scope. So um, with let and const, any any time it's between curly braces, like it lives and dies in those curly braces, mm -hmm. versus var, which will kind of persist beyond. So if you have like a var that gets declared in if statement, so an if statement has curly braces, uh, that var will live on, whereas a let and const will not. Uh, same thing with like a for loop. Uh, if a loop has curly braces and then that var is inside there, like the var will still live. Whereas if it's a let, it, it will get garbage collected. I should make you explain garbage collection. No. <laughs> <laughs> now that that's slipped out. Uh, What's next? Static sites. <laughs> I like that depth <laughs> dodge of garbage collection. Garbage collection just means that the internally, like the uh, the runtime or whatever, is is getting rid of unused junk. Yeah. So. So static sites. This is what. What do you have here? Oh, like yeah. What is a uh, what is a static site? Just like straight HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. That's just not yeah. like, well, okay. We'll get into spas later. Uh, yes, and not the kind that you get like a hot towel yeah. at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Uh, so like GitHub pages, um, if you ever host anything there, that's like a static site hosting solution. Uh, Netlify hosts static sites. Um, a lot of these places are uh, free to host. Um, so if you just have HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, or jQuery or whatever, um, if it lives in kind of that realm, um, then I would consider it a static site uh, versus like a a server, which has to respond to HTTP traffic. Um, so I don't want to get like too in depth with that stuff, but just think of it as like you can talk to a server and get like different data out of it or get HTML back or get, you know, whatever. Whereas a static site, you go to that site and all you get back is HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Mm -hmm. Always. So how about vanilla JS? This is a good one. This, this is funny because this is like, I didn't even think that this would be confusing people out there, but apparently it is. It's just plain old JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you had a, a cute anecdote about this. So. Well, uh, I have a friend um, that's going through a boot camp, and I was helping her with some stuff, and she was a little confused with what vanilla JavaScript was. She thought it was like a different version of JavaScript. And to be fair, there was a little bit of a language barrier there. She's from Puerto Rico. Um, but yeah, so I had to go in and just explain it. Just plain old JavaScript. Nothing fancy or extra thrown on top. Yeah, we're we're not laughing at this person. We're no, no, with her. yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, yeah, JavaScript. I mean, JavaScript has gotten so complicated yeah. lately that there's this joke of like, oh, we'll just use vanilla JavaScript. Yeah. So just use like plain old JavaScript and do it. Uh, you don't have to get crazy with like React or Vue or whatever. Yeah. Or jQuery or whatever flavor of the month, Svelte, uh, lit HTML or whatever, and use that to build your website. You can just use HTML, CSS. And VanillaJS. And there's actually a cute site. Um, I don't know if it's like VanillaJS.com or something, but we can link that in there. Yeah, and I, I can later. see how someone new to this looking, maybe looking through job listings and stuff like that, might think that this is like some kind of new 
JavaScript framework or something like that that they just never heard of or whatever. Yeah, so so cross that off your to-do list. It's just JavaScript. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so next one here, uh, Eddie's gonna make me do these next two. Um, so uh -oh. where does where does JavaScript live, and uh, what is a compiler? So um, JavaScript is a scripting language. Uh, again, not trying to do a JavaScript episode, but we're web devs, so mm -hmm. I mean, here we are. Um, so JavaScript actually gets run by your browser versus something like C Sharp or uh, Java or actually I think, I, w I don't want to say Python, I think that's a scripting language also, but basically um, it gets run as the computer is reading it versus like Java, you have to compile it. So you write your Java code, the Java compiler reads it and it like compiles it and so it looks for any errors or anything and if you did something wrong it will blow up. JavaScript uh, doesn't really do that. Um, the browser reads it and runs as much of it as it can because it would be kind of terrible experience for everybody if you're on a website and like there's a tiny JavaScript error and the entire site goes down. So um, different use cases uh, for both. But um, and then I'm, I'm not even going to get into the whole can of worms if JavaScript is compiled or whatever. Yeah. But um, just know that you don't have to compile JavaScript code in order to run it. So if you come from like another language like Java or something, you never touch JavaScript, you might be confused by that. Okay. And then <laughs> this next one. We don't is, have uh, to do that. I'll just give a real brief okay. one. Uh, closures and promises. So closures. Uh, basically, JavaScript doesn't have the same type of object-oriented stuff that other languages have. And so you can't scope a variable to an object in JavaScript. So you'll see like underscore property names or something. And there's no private properties in JavaScript. So a way to get around that is by just using functions. And so if you write a function that returns a function that inner function will hold on to all the stuff around it. So if you write like a function inside that function, you declare a variable. And then after that return a function that uses that variable, like it will keep whenever you use that, like, so you'll assign it to a variable or something. This is a terrible explanation, but you'll assign <laughs> that, that inner returned function to a variable. And then when you call that thing and it does that inner function, it will remember that outer variable so okay. it's a way of like closing over that inner variable and having access to it so the garbage collector will ignore that thing and because it will see that it has a reference that inner function has a reference to that variable and then it will keep that in memory and so you can keep using it and there's definitely better explanations of it out there that wasn't and if you're a, curious about that it wasn't a bad one okay cool um it's not something that you're going to get in 30 seconds from lee explaining it on the podcast yeah. but uh if you're curious about it like check it out online it's it's not that bad people make it out to be like this monster in the closet but uh once you do it a couple times it's, it's not too terrible yeah that i mean that explanation that explanation wasn't horrible it was good uh i'm still i mean i could understand someone still being confused especially for this <clears> being like we just explained what a variable was if someone's still trying to get their head around that. And then yeah, and the goal of some of this is just to expose people yeah. to some of these concepts. And like, if you hear it, you'll at least know about it and kind of like make a mental note to go look it up later. Mm -hmm. Or the next time you hear it, be like, ah, oh, man, those two idiots on the podcast were talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another one is uh, promises. So, so uh, I'll just say like, to talk about that, you kind of have to talk about callbacks. Yeah. And to talk about callbacks, you kind of have to talk about JavaScript being synchronous and asynchronous. Mm -hmm. So um, JavaScript is synchronous, meaning that as it reads code, like it has to execute that code. And so <clears throat> obviously like websites go and talk to servers and stuff and they go get data from other sources and you're still able to do stuff on the web page while you're waiting for that data to come back. 
So the way that JavaScript does this trick of being synchronous but acting asynchronous, meaning like it does more than one thing at a time, is it has a special, I don't want to get too in deep uh, in depth with this, but it's own special event loop basically. And so it kind of like puts things off to the side hmm. and waits for those things to finish. The and then when those things finish, it, it's, it's a different, um, a different stack. Yeah. Okay. So it has like the regular call stack, mm -hmm. which is all the synchronous stuff that runs. And whenever it comes to anything asynchronous, it puts that thing aside. Okay. And then when all the synchronous stuff is finished, then it runs the asynchronous stuff. So like, let's say you have a function that goes and gets data from a server and that takes like 200 milliseconds for that data to come back. It'll do all your synchronous stuff first and then you'll give it a callback function. So another function as an argument and whenever that data comes back, it will run that function. So you can maybe think of this as like set timeout and set interval and stuff. So if you run like, um, if the first thing in your code is a, a set timeout and you give it like zero milliseconds. So, Hey, I want you to run this function after zero milliseconds. And then right below that you console log something that console log is always going to run first. And that's because it's going to skip the asynchronous thing, which is the timeout. And then it's going to run the next synchronous thing, which is the console log, even though you gave it zero milliseconds. So I, I say all that to say <laughs> that, the way that you work with asynchronous stuff is with callback functions. So you pass in your parameters into your, you know, your Ajax call or whatever, which we'll talk about in a second, but um, your data call, and then it runs that callback function when it's done. That makes for really messy code. So people have, like the good people that work on JavaScript, have made a thing called promises, where instead of having like all this nested code, you just have like a syntax of saying like do a thing dot then do another thing. And that's where you put your, your function to do the thing after your data comes back. I used a dot finally today. Nice. <laughs> yeah. There's a like JavaScript has its own native implementation of promises. And then there's like um, observables, which is another whole can of worms that I don't even want to talk yeah. about. And, uh, RxJS and all kinds of stuff. So that being said, let's talk about Ajax. Okay. What do you want to know? <laughs> what does it stand for? Uh, Pop quiz. Is it asynchronous JavaScript on XML? Oh, man. That for? 100%. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. It's, um, how do I describe this? It's funny because I did like a talk on the history of the web. But uh, yeah, it's developed by um, by Microsoft for Outlook. Okay. And it's just like a uh, a functionality built into web browsers to make like requests for data. So that's like how your website can call out to other servers and get like you get your post. other APIs and get data back. Mm -hmm. We should talk about what an API is. Do you, do you want to take that one? API? Yeah. Is it something? So application programming interface. interface. Yeah, there you go. But there's two common definitions for it. So there's the two. first one in like the web world is the one where you get um, like data from a server. Yeah. What's the other? So if you write like a, a server and you talk to it and request data and it gives you data back and stuff, you could call that like a web API. Mm -hmm. And then the other definition of API would be like um, the way that you interact with a language. So let's say, um, are you familiar with fetch in JavaScript? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So fetch is just a native implementation of um, Ajax for JavaScript. And so there's a fetch API which describes like the syntax and the things, uh, options and stuff that you can set for fetch. Okay. So like jQuery's syntax of dollar sign, um, function like CSS selector or something. Yeah. That's like the jQuery API. Okay. 
if that makes yeah, sense. That makes sense. So like the JavaScript API would be like array methods and like how to declare variables and that sort of thing. That's how you interact with the program. Therefore, application programming yeah. interface. So like documentation could be like documenting an API. All right, cool. Uh, cool. What's next? You got this one. What? Back end, <laughs> front end, and DevOps? Yeah, man. So uh, take take a couple of these. What? So back end is code that, I mean, a back end developer or just like back end code? I don't know exactly what you want me to. Uh, uh, let's just talk about like what, what the back end of an application is and like. What what does that mean? The, okay. Um, How about start with front end? Okay. <laughs> well, for for <laughs> the web, the, the front end is like uh well, it's anything. Uh, the stuff you see and you interact with. Um, so it would be that code. Hundred percent. Then the, so, what technologies is that? Um, your HTML, JavaScript. CSS. Yeah, React. Oh, React. Uh, Angular, Vue, CSS, SaaS. But yeah. All that stuff. All is, is front end. So what the user is actually touching and seeing and interacting with. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the your user interface developers or um, GUI graphical user interface developers. Yeah. All front end people. And then and then back end. Back end is the it, stuff you. I guess the data stuff. Um, Hundred yeah. percent nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so people that work with creating the data, storing the data, sending it to the front end. So they write like web servers. They could use JavaScript with like Node.js. They might use Python. They might use Java, C Sharp. Uh, could be anything. Go writing Lambda functions in AWS. I'm not going to explain that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but backend is the uh, the data layer, basically. Uh, they they communicate data to the front end, and, and then DevOps, DevOps is what deploying your your stuff. Maybe. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I, it's surprising, but going through the boot camp and like getting into programming, I had no idea what DevOps was. Uh, yeah. I was like, these are people that have like keyboards and guns. <laughs> They're like code operatives that are like hiding in the night <laughs> and like doing covert missions and stuff. They're like operators. So um, I think some of them probably identify as that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what Eddie said. So these are the people that actually deploy the code, meaning like they go out there and set up the environment for the code to run on. So like you may write uh, your front end application or whatever, and then like the back end people have their own back end stuff. But the person that actually composes all that and gets it live and like tied into um continuous integration and continuous deployment so like they write scripts and stuff so that this stuff can be easily redeployed over and over again as you make updates to your program mm -hmm. and they work with like aws and they work with um a lot of like linux configurations because a lot of those systems are running on linux and they just kind of like orchestrate everything do you mess with linux at all only in bash <laughs> just like i wrote a curl once does that count <laughs> sometimes I, I read the man pages of stuff and i feel like a real superhero but uh no i don't really do a whole lot of stuff with yeah, linux because i have an old laptop that i was thinking about just because i've never used it just to like throw it on there yeah that'd be cool uh maybe we could mention like docker and then oh know, yeah people make stuff with docker and like virtual machines and stuff so um like all the in environment stuff, like where your code is running is DevOps. So if you have like a virtual machine, that would be like um, an isolated operating system running on your computer, you know, within like your normal operating system. So like you're spinning up another virtual computer. And then like Docker is um, not virtual machines, but containers. So they're like, instead of having the entire operating system running in the virtual machine, you've got your operating system. And then on top of that, you just have like the bare bones stuff. Um, so like code to interact with the operating system and then your code, and then that's the container. And so like Docker is really good for creating containers and um, composing them together and then 
There's like Kubernetes and all that craziness. So maybe another episode we can get like a DevOps guy on here and we can talk all the, the DevOps magic. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I know one. Yeah, I know a couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then we've got QA. A QA is just uh, a quality assurance, I guess. Is that what that stands for? Yeah, and what do they do? Uh, they check your code and then uh, make sure everything's working properly before it goes out to per- well, uh, goes out to the client or people actually using it or the user. Yeah, so, like, what kind of... What what do they actually do there? Uh, there's manual QA and then there's uh, automated testing. Um, yeah. So what is what is the manual stuff? Um, just going through t- testing like usability, make sure everything is working as it's supposed to. And they can all the yeah. So you can maybe work. think of this as like people testing video games at like EA or something. Yeah. So they're <clears throat> they have like a checklist on paper, and they play the game and try and like break it. So that's manual yeah. testing. And then automated testing is you're writing scripts to try and break the code or verify that it's doing the things that you said it was going to yeah. do. So they cross-reference like your user stories, which are the instructions for you, the developer, on how you're supposed to create the code. And then they go back and go like, okay, well, did Eddie actually make this button? When you click it, it pops up this window or something. Mm-hmm. And then they will... Uh, verify that with um, testing. So maybe they have like Selenium or I don't even know um, some kind of like test suite so it can run uh, automated stuff where they can write their own uh, scripts to like use the program for them automatically Mm -hmm. and kind of verify all these different things. Yep. And then when something fails as a developer, because I've been living this life for a while, <laughs> um, <laughs> you get a report, and then you have to go and fix it. Yeah, so when the uh, the expectations are misaligned, you got to go back and, and correct that stuff. So there's there's kind of like a love-hate relationship between developers and, and QA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then, yeah, we just have like, uh, we'll just talk about testing really, really quick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what the heck is testing in, in programming? Uh, you have unit tests. Uh, testing, you're just writing tests to test your code. So Yeah, so like why is why do we do that? Why do we do um make sure um make sure it's working? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there, uh, there's a trick question there. It's not a trick question. Um <laughs> It probably feels like that to a lot of people uh, yeah, out there. They're like, asked. wait, I have to write tests? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, so it's just like cute. Oh, man. We, there was this brilliant moment where we were interviewing somebody once upon a time, and uh, we were interviewing somebody for QA. <laughs> <clears throat> and so one of our developers just like bold face looks at the guy, and he goes, if I have to write tests, what the heck do you do? <laughs> Except he may have used some stronger language than that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, basically, um, so QA has to write their own tests, but then we as developers also have to write tests. So our tests are all automated. So like as we're writing the code, like, okay, this function, like going back to the pure function, the adder function, so that'd be like something really easy to test because whenever you give it a certain input, it should always have a certain output. And so your test will like call that function with an input. And then so... You'll write a test that's like, okay, give the function two and four, and then I expect it to spit out six. And if that happens, then it passes. So that's like a really, really basic test. Um, but then there's, and that would be a unit test. Yeah. Um, so there's integration tests and end-to-end testing. And so end-to-end testing is like testing the entire program at once. So that's something that QA would probably do a lot with, like, using a test suite like Selenium or um, an automated browser or something that opens up your website and like clicks on stuff like in a script. And then integration testing has to do with, um, it's a really complicated, like fuzzy amorphous concept, but um, basically you have like third party dependencies. So like you're using code that other people wrote. So like, let's say you're interfacing with, you know, a backend 
that is a web server or something, and you expect that web server to send you certain data. So you may test like that you're getting that data from that source and it matches like, you know, so you click a button, you should get certain data back. Like that would be an integration test. So again, like a really complicated concept, but mm -hmm. then a really hard sounding thing, but it's actually really easy. <laughs> and that is TDD. So Eddie, if you want to like tackle That's that one, just test driven development. So you write your test first and then your code second. Yeah. So the whole philosophy is like you are going to figure out all your use cases for everything and like what your program needs to do first. And you're going to write tests for that. Yeah. And then after you do that, you go back and actually write the code. Yeah. I've never done it that way. <laughs> I've never done it either. It's like one of those things that has a lot of buzz out there yeah. and you might read it on like a job application or something at some point and be like, what the heck is that? So that that's all I have energy to tackle in this right, one. Cool. I, don't, I don't know how you feel. <laughs> We've got some more, which is like more complicated yeah. stuff, I have to um, study but for we can that. do like, yeah, me too. <laughs> we'll have to do a, uh, a part two for that one. But, uh, yeah. Why don't we move into nerd Bennett? All right. Um, do you have anything? Uh, I don't. <laughs> so, uh, I started watching stranger things. Season oh, okay. Three. That's I all I got about that. Yeah. I finished it. I would think I watched it like all day last Sunday. Dude, it just came out. Yeah, she was, she likes it. Um, it was good. I think this new season was slightly better than the last. That's what I heard in reviews. Um, I got through two episodes. Uh, I might watch another one. Yeah, there's tonight, some stuff that happened in the second season that they don't even touch on in the third, which a little weird. Well, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also saw the second season of uh, Mob Psycho. You ever seen that? Oh, I, I finished watching that a while oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm behind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good, though. I like that show. Yeah, that's, uh, what is it, Bones? Is the uh, the animator or the creator of that. So the guy that did One yeah, Punch Man yeah. is that's the same one that, so that does. The animation uh, style is so good. It, it, yeah, the way yeah, it flows I, I like and stuff, it. It's really good. I really like this series because they have, like, the fun shonen style like fights mm -hmm. but then it also has like a lot of comedy yeah. so it, it manages to be like light-hearted at the same time as as being like fun to watch and like you still get the cool fight scenes and stuff yeah yeah it's been pretty cool also i think i just started this like yesterday or whatever um the rising of the shield hero Oh, okay. Did you see? Have you seen that? Yeah, all? that one just finished. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I just finished watching it. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, we've had some people bringing up in Nerd Minute and uh, some previous interviews. This so. is why I started watching it. Do you like it? What do, what so do you think? So far, so good. Yeah. Um, don't really. I'm a, hoping they explain. Well, maybe they don't. Like why he's even there? Or why? It's a. Uh, it's an isekai anime, oh, meaning anime? like um, it's a genre of. People from our world getting transferred to like a foreign just, fantasy okay. world. And they just never explain why or how? Probably not, knowing like anime. Yeah, things things happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's man, there's some there's some really good uh Japanese horror movies. I don't even know if they're if everybody would consider them good, but Japanese uh culture and film and media and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like we expect in the West to have stuff explained. Yeah. And have like the reasons and stuff exposed. So like if a house is haunted or something, you expect in the movie for them to tell you why it's haunted or who the ghost is or who who done it or anything like yeah. that. Whereas in Japan and like the East, you'll just have like phenomena happen and they don't even care to explain it. So like the grudge would be a good example <clears throat> or the ring or well, something. I mean, in the American versions of those, they explain why. I guess in the Japanese version, they don't. Yeah, in the Japanese one, it's just like, well, it's a it's a negative energy, <laughs> and it it happened, and like that's all you get. Okay. Um, and then the ring, I think, was pretty similar. Like they don't actually explain why or how Sadako like came to be, at least as far as I can remember. 
but there's a lot of movies like that where you'll have like um cell phones start killing people or something in, in asia <laughs> and then it's like okay but why and you never get it you just get like the characters and how they deal with it yeah that would drive me crazy I need to, yeah, it's it's definitely like a convention that I need to know why. is totally different. Uh, I'm with you there. For me, it's kind of jarring. It's like I I want to know, but like I still like the movie, but I need that <laughs> that explanation. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's about it for me. I'm really playing any games lately. I've been playing uh, Minecraft. Oh, really? Yeah, on uh, Windows 10. Okay. So if you bought the Java version, like. Before Windows 10 came out, this is how old I am. If you bought the Java version before Windows 10, uh, you got the Windows 10 version for free. Uh, And all that means is that I get to play with a controller. Okay. And so I've been like chilling in the recliner, just kind of playing Minecraft. What are you building? Just digging in mountains and building little houses and stuff. Nothing crazy. I like survival mode. uh, Okay. I don't really like the creative stuff. It takes all the fun out of it. I like looking over my shoulder for creepers and stuff. Okay. I play a little Street Fighter Five. That's about it. Yeah, has, I, I'm in the worst Street Fighter player Me too, ever. So. But I can kick my daughter's ass every time. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, that is... Is that good parenting? I'm not sure. <laughs> Quality time with your daughter, but you never let her win. Yeah, she beats me sometimes <laughs> when she's like just mashing on buttons and I can't like figure <laughs> out what's going on. That's like awesome. Like if in uh what's it? Um she likes Marvel versus Capcom three. And okay. there's like a simple mode where you just there's two buttons that'll just do every single special move the character has. And she'll pick Rocket Raccoon, who's like really small, and she's just shooting constantly. And like in the beginning, it took me a little while to figure out how to beat that, but you know, it's I kind of awesome. figured that out. I played it a little bit. Uh, it's definitely more accessible than some other fighting yeah. games, but uh, you, you wouldn't know it from looking at it because you got to like choose all these styles and mix ups and air type or ground type or all this crap, yeah. and that's really confusing. But uh, a lot of the moves are pretty simple, and kind of once you grasp the entire game system, I think it makes it a lot easier to get into specific characters and teams and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm not at that point. No, I, I just don't have no, the time. Neither do I. <laughs> um, I. I also have the uh, the Dragon Ball Z fighting game. Which uh, one's that? Is fight, that Dragon Ball Z Fighters? Fighter yeah. Z. That game's really How do you good. Like the, that's the 2D, 3D yeah, game? Yeah, it's really good. The story mode, not yeah. so great, but the, the game itself is pretty good. The fighting. Uh, it looks amazing. It's too. bad news for me. I'm the, the weird single-player-only person. So. Oh, eh, it, it's a really dumb story. It's like you're... Have you played uh, Xenoverse? No. Okay. I know that that's like another awesome DBZ game. Don't they just? But it has like a good story mode okay. to it. Because just l- from the outside looking in on these games, it just seems like they're retelling the story from the show over and over again. Yeah, Xenoverse is definitely hitting all the story beats, but <clears throat> it has like weird time travel stuff. Okay. Where it like mixes up the timeline a little bit. Okay. And then um, I don't know about Fighter Z. I know that's like a big tournament game. Well, I, I've only played like the first hour or whatever. Um, you're just like you take over Goku's body and then some stuff. Barris is there and all these other people. Like it, it's not a great story mode. And then you start they pass <laughs> you along to other characters and that's how they explain you fighting as someone else. You know, it, it's kind of not great. But um, <laughs> But yeah, that's it for me. Cool, man. Uh, I, I can't think, think of anything else. So um, we can just wrap it up there. All right. um, yeah, thanks thanks for joining us. And this has been another Nerd Minute. I, I don't even know how to close the short anymore. <laughs> it changes as much as my intro. Thanks for listening to Tech Junior. Head on over to our site at techjr.eev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, click subscribe to get updates on the show and a little email from us, including any other goodies that we came across this week. 
You can also follow us on Twitter. Show's handle is at TechJRPodcast. Mine is at Lee Warwick Jr. And Eddie's is at ED0TER0. Join us next week where we talk to Mike Torres. Mike's a uh, former project manager and now a recruiter and hoping to become a developer himself. So we grilled him about recruiters, called him a vampire, and (laughs) just uh, Mike basically unveiled a lot of how recruiting works and what that process is like and uh, gives a lot of really good tips for how to break into the industry. So I hope you join us and uh, enjoy that episode. All right. That's all for me. Take care.